Area 10 Faith Community meets in the historic Bird Theater in Carytown in Richmond, Virginia. Due to CDC recommendations, we are live streaming our services until further notice. You can join us online at 11 o'clock a.m. on Sunday mornings on our YouTube channel by searching for A10 Sunday Morning, or you can watch this last week's message at area10church.com. For more information, you can visit area10church.com slash now to learn more about what is happening at Area 10 Church right now. We hope to see you back at the Bird Theater again soon. Hey, good morning, Area 10. Good to, good to be with you guys, uh, digitally as we are. Um, one of the things we're doing during this series and, and hopefully going forward here while we're, while we're meeting online is giving you a chance to ask questions and interact with what we're talking about. So we've got an opportunity now to, for you to, to, to send in your questions. You can, as I'm, think, as I'm teaching, if you come up with a question, you can put it on, your, on the YouTube stream or there's a number on the screen. You can text your question to that number. Uh, you text your question in and then at the end of the service today, I will come back and try to answer as many of the questions as I can uh, with the time that we have. So hopefully that'll be a good thing. It's a way we can be interactive through this time. Um, I was thinking this past week about great movies that have terrible sequels. And it's really sad because sometimes there's a movie that you watch and it just moves you and you're like, that movie was amazing, it was fun, it was funny, it like moved my heart, and it was awesome, and they should have just left it alone, but instead, Hollywood, because they want to make money off of it, right, they're like, hey, we had a good movie, we can make a sequel and it'll be just as good. And usually... It's never as good, right? Uh, the, the, one I, the, the movie I think of that I thought was just a game changer was the movie The Matrix came out back in 1999. When that movie came out, I was like, oh, this is an incredible movie. Like the, the theology of it, like the philosophical ideas, the technology that they used to make it like a game changer of a movie. And then they came out with a second and third Matrix movie and they were like terrible. I have probably seen the first Matrix movie like 10 times and I've, maybe seen the second and third one like once each. They're awful. And a lot of movies were like that. The first Rocky movie was great. Some of the sequels, not so much, not so good. Uh, Home Alone, the original Home Alone is like a classic, right? It's like the classic Christmas movie. Home Alone like three was not so good. I mean, you can only leave that kid alone so many times. It's just not that great. Uh, speaking of Christmas movies, the original Die Hard was amazing, but after that, they went and did like die harder and then die even harder than that or whatever it was. I'm like, just not quite the same. And I was thinking of that because I was thinking of this like post-Easter time that we're in now. And for, for Christians around the world, Easter is the thing. It's, it's the showstopper. It is the heart stopper. It is the moment. We're like, oh, Easter, Jesus came back from the dead. Now, what's he going to do for a follow-up to that? What is the sequel? Like, what, what happens after that? Because you, you don't think about that a lot. You're like, okay, he's back from the dead. Okay, like, now what? What's, what's going to go on? Uh, what comes next? Well, let me, let me walk you through what came next after Jesus rose from the dead. The day he rose from the dead, he, later, he will appear later that day to a few disciples who are walking on the road to Emmaus, and he kind of reveals himself to them. And then um, he's going to appear to his disciples a little bit over that week, except for the disciple Thomas. Thomas didn't get to see him uh, originally uh, until about a week later. Jesus will appear to all the disciples with Thomas, and so that's like a really uh, interesting thing. And then uh, he's going to appear to the disciples on the lake in Galilee, so they'll go up to Galilee in northern Israel, um, and he'll appear to them there. 
And then uh, the scripture tells us that Jesus appears to more than 500 people at one time. The apostle Paul writes about that in 1 Corinthians. But we don't exactly have a record of that moment happening where Jesus appears to 500 people. But Jesus makes these appearances to groups of people after his resurrection for a period of 40 days. Now, when you hear the number 40 and you read it in the Bible, that should jump out at you because it's actually a significant number. There's a lot of references to 40 in the scriptures. Um, the Israelites wandered in the desert after leaving, uh, leaving Israel for 40, uh, 40 years. Moses goes up on the mountain for 40 days to hear from God. Uh, Elijah walks to Mount Horeb for a period of 40 days. Goliath, when he comes out and he taunts the Israelites before David fights him, he comes out every day for 40 days. Uh, Jesus, when he started his ministry, he goes in the desert to be tempted for 40 days. 40 shows up a lot, and whenever you read 40 in the scriptures, it's usually pointing towards a period of time that is designed for preparation. Um, God is going to move. God is going to do something. The people need to get ready because something's about to happen, and we need to get our hearts right. This is why Christians have, have latched on over the last couple millennia. They've latched on to this idea of Lent being this 40-day period leading up to Easter. We're going to spend this time getting our hearts ready. This is why as a church, we're now entering 40 days of prayer post-Easter as we're in this virus situation. We want to pray regularly uh, and, and have this time of, of, of preparation. Well, Jesus appears to his disciples for this 40-day period after his resurrection. And that ends in the book of, it's recorded, the ending of that is recorded in the book of Acts chapter one. The book of Acts is uh, Luke, the author Luke wrote uh, the book of Luke and it's all about Jesus' ministry. And then he writes the book of Acts, which is the follow-up book to the first book. So if the first book is the Acts of Jesus, and that's the book of Luke, the second book called Acts is really the Acts of the Holy Spirit. And Luke's going to kind of clue us in here about the timeline and say, okay, there's a 40-day period that's ended, and we're going to see what happens in the sequel here of the resurrection. What does Jesus do next? So we're going to start there, Acts chapter 1. We'll start with verse 1. Let me read it to you. We'll put it on the screen. In the first book... O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Okay, so Luke opens up the book of Acts and says, hey, Theophilus, it's the person he's writing the books to. He said, hey, in my last book, I wrote to you and told you all that Jesus did. And then there's this 40-day period, and then I'm going to tell you what happened next. That's what the point of this book is. And he goes on to explain the history of the early church from its infancy for out for several decades is what the book of Acts covers. Um, and, and as he talks about it, he mentions the Holy Spirit. Twice in that section, he mentions the Holy, Holy Spirit. Um, he, the, Jesus was center stage for his ministry, and now he's going to leave. Uh, the disciples are gathered, and they're waiting in Jerusalem. And the Holy Spirit, which had been promised to them about 45 days before that at the Last Supper, the Holy Spirit is now going to come um, and, to, and to teach them. Jesus taught his followers at the Last Supper. You can read this in John 14, 15, 16. Jesus taught his disciples, hey, I need to leave. They didn't realize exactly what he meant, but he's like, I need to go because the Holy Spirit, I'm going to send you a comforter. 
is the way he described the Holy Spirit, a comforter, a helper. That's the Greek word paraclete that is used for the word for the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Holy Spirit's going to come and he's going to be a comforter to you. Um, so, but before that happens, Jesus is going to have to actually leave, which is what we're going to see here in a second. Uh, l- looking on verse six, it says this. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? The disciples, um, they're thinking in terms of kingdom. If you remember a couple weeks ago, we talked about having a kingdom heart. Jesus' very first teaching was about, hey, the kingdom of God, this is what God is doing in the world. And the disciples are hearing that, and they've been taught that for years. So they're coming to Jesus now. They're like, cool, the resurrection was awesome. That was amazing. You're amazing. Now, Jesus, are you going to be king? And what they mean is earthly kingdom. Are you going to be on the throne in Jerusalem? Are you going to kick the Romans out? Are you going to make Israel great again and all that kind of Are you going to be are you going to do this awesome earthly political kingdom thing? And it's amazing that really they're missing they're missing the point. Jesus had um, told him uh, that 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 there was something different. That, that, that he had in mind with that. So he refocuses them on the mission here with kingdom. Look at verse seven, he says this. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the father is fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Um, so he he teaches them, he says, look, um, God has a plan and, and a timing for this. Uh, and he said, it's not, it's not for me to tell you. So they're going like, when's the kingdom happening? And they don't realize the kingdom is this global church movement of God of love and servanthood across the world. They're not quite thinking that. And Jesus goes, look, there's a plan for this. It's, it's not for me to lay all of that out for you. What's interesting to me is this is just a little reminder of the power of God. You get this little window in here where Jesus goes, oh yeah, God's got a plan for that. I'm not going to lay all that out for you. And you go, man, even though that seems like a little throwaway comment, Jesus is reminding us that God really is in control. And the second thing I notice out of this is that he focuses them and us on a mission. He goes, no, here's what's going to happen. You guys as my followers, you're going to be witnesses in Jerusalem. And he gives these locations, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Now he says this to them while they're in Jerusalem. So he said, starting here, and then Judea, which is the country around uh, Jerusalem, and then Samaria, which is kind of the neighboring country right there, and then to the ends of the earth. So the obvious thing we could do is if we, if we put this in a modern day context for us hearing this, and we go, okay, where am I supposed to be witnesses of Jesus? As a follower of Jesus, where should I talk about him? Well, Richmond, our, our local area, then the country, maybe the United States, then a neighboring country, I don't know, pick Mexico, Canada, whatever, uh, and then to the ends of the earth. Our church is, has been going to the ends of the earth since we launched. We've, we've done work in Vietnam, we've done work in Haiti, um, and we're now, uh, a family from our church is going out to Turkey this year. So we are, we are still a part of this thing that, that Jesus gave to his disciples in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Let's read on in verse 9, because this is when it gets kind of weird, right? And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? 
This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. All right, this is known as the ascension of Jesus. They are walking along and talking to him and he gives them this thing about where they're supposed to go and be his witnesses. And then it says he lifts up off the ground and then sort of floats up and then there's a cloud and then he sort of disappears. Um, and, and, it's, and it's weird, right? And then there's some angels there. I, I told you before that whenever angels appear in the scripture, people are freaked out. Not so much the case right here. The angels appear and they don't even notice because they're already more freaked out about Jesus like lifting up off the ground that they don't even notice, which must have been a big bummer for the angels to be like, man, I showed up and no one cares. But they, the angels are standing there and they're like, why are you guys looking at the sky? He told you this is what's going to happen. Um, and, and so, you know, so Jesus like floats away like Mary Poppins. The wind changed and he's gone. It's a weird thing uh, that, that happens. Now, if you're skeptical... And I understand that this is one of those things that's hard to believe. It's bizarre. The coming back from the dead, that's hard to believe, right? Floating up into the sky, that's pretty hard to believe also. But it's referred to, this idea of the ascension that Jesus leaves the earth, it's referred to in almost every book of the New Testament. Like it's testified about and the witnesses to it, like they, they write about it um, as, hey, no, this really did happen. He was here and then, then he left. So here's my question. Why does he leave and why does it matter? Um, why does Jesus like float up and away and why does that matter? Uh, number one, Jesus leaves because he accomplished what he set out to do. The scriptures are very clear about this. I think when modern day people think about Jesus, we think about him like he's a good teacher. Oh, he's a nice guy who came and he taught people about love and he, he taught to a very harsh world and he was really good and nice and helpful. And then we're so wicked, people are so bad, we killed him for being such a good teacher and being so kind. Um, he, he did not actually set out to be a good teacher. That's not Jesus's mission. He didn't set out to be an example for us to follow. When Jesus hung on the cross, he said, there's seven things he said from the cross. And one of the things he said as he was dying, he said, it is finished. It is finished. So the question is, what is finished? Well, what was finished was what he set out to do. He didn't finish his master class on human living. He didn't die on the cross and go, now I've shown you all how to live. I'm done teaching everybody here. I've explained as much of the humanities owner's manual that I can to you, and now I'm going to leave. That's not what he was doing. What he finished on the cross was paying for and suffering for our sins, this is what it's about. This is what he set out to do. This is why he was here. He wasn't here to just as an example to follow. He was here to die for us. That means every sin that we commit, every lie that we tell, every, every way that we've blown it, all of that gets put on Jesus on the cross. He pays for that. And then uh, his righteousness, when we give our lives to him, when we are baptized into him and we follow him, uh, his righteousness gets given to us and our sins go on, on him. There's this great exchange. This is what was finished on the cross. This is what Jesus actually set out to do, to wipe away our, our sins. And so when God looks at us now, we've given our lives to Christ, God sees us through the lens of Christ. And so what Jesus does is he ascends back into heaven, which is where he came from, and he sits at God's right hand. He's there ruling with the Father. And 
Jesus said, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. And we think that means he's going to be a general contractor building us homes in a mansion or building us some sort of house up there. But really what Jesus is doing is advocating for us. His, his blood has covered over our sin and he sits at God's right hand and he said, that one is with me. This person is, uh, their, their sin is covered because of what I did for them on the cross. So he's sitting there um, with God kind of overseeing humanity as, as we go on. So the first thing, uh, the first reason Jesus kind of floats away and leaves is because he, he did what he came to do. And the second reason uh, Jesus leaves is because it was time for the Holy Spirit to do his work. Jesus leaves because it was time for the Holy Spirit to do his work. Um, it, the message of Christ was not meant for just the first century. It wasn't meant just for Israel and those people there at that time. If Jesus just shows up in one place in time and does his thing just in that moment, maybe all it ever did was change something in that space and in that moment but the message was meant to be for the whole world throughout all time. And so the message needs to spread. And for it to spread, God sends the Holy Spirit. He sends this comforter who, um, who will live inside of us and go with us wherever we go. Jesus, by his nature, is in one place at one time. He was in that time, in that place. The Holy Spirit isn't bound like that and can be with all people who follow him, all people at, at all, all times. Uh, the book of Acts sees that play out. You see how the Holy Spirit all through the book of Acts is working in the people, is infusing them with power, is directing them, is, is moving them forward, moves the movement out from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria to the ends of the earth. You see that starting to happen um, because as long as... Uh, a lot of people have sort of pointed this out, and I think there's a lot of truth to this. As long as Jesus stays there with them, the disciples will never go out and do it. Why would they? You've got your leader with you. Hey, let's just do whatever he says. We're not really going to go. We'll just keep looking to him for all the answers. And so he leaves so that the Holy Spirit can come into them, and then they have to step up and, and lead the movement. And, and when that happens, when they eventually scatter out, you see belief in Christ start to spread throughout, throughout the ancient world. It's pretty, pretty powerful. They were supposed to go. Acts 1.8, again, let me read this to you again. But you receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and, and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. They're going to go, and the Holy Spirit is going to work with them to carry the message. The Holy Spirit will prompt them when they don't know what to say. The Holy Spirit will give them courage when they don't have it. They'll give them conviction about things. He's going to do his work in them as they as they go out. And this goes out through the book of Acts until the book of Acts ends in Acts chapter 28. Let me read to you the very last verses of this book and see how it goes. Acts 28, 30 and 31. This is talking about Paul. It says, he lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, came to him proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. That's the way the book ends. It doesn't end with happily ever after. And it's already said things like that throughout the book that Paul goes here for a while and does this and then they go here. It ends just kind of like, yeah, and then they just kept doing the thing. And, and it's, it's weird. There's no like put a bow on it conclusion. And I think the reason there's no conclusion to that is Acts 29, what would be the 29th chapter, that's the time that we're living in now. It's, 
it's still going on. We're still being witnesses to the ends of the earth. We're still proclaiming the kingdom of God. We're living in Acts chapter 29 in this moment. We're still writing that story. We are the ones who are called by God to pass the baton of faith to the next generation. This was always God's plan to work through us, to work through his followers throughout history, to spread the, 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 mess, to, to spread the message of Christ. Um, so if you're hearing me today and you're a follower of Jesus, here's the deal. You're his witness. You're a messenger. You are called to spread his message. No matter what you're doing for a living, no matter what your job is, no matter what your career aspirations are, no matter what you want out of life and goals that you have and a strategic plan and all that kind of stuff. We all, a lot of people have those kind of things, right? But at the end of the day, as followers of Jesus, we have a mission that, that sort of supersedes all of that. Our mission is to glorify God, honor him, worship him, and then bring as many people with us as we can on that. Our mission is to take what God has poured into us and, and share it with others and expand the kingdom of God. Now, during this time of the coronavirus, right, this is tricky. How do we expand the mission of God when everybody is sheltering at home? And that is tricky. That brings up some, some questions. How do we do that? Um, it's different now, right? You can't meet someone for a coffee as easy as you used to be able to. Um, and I thought about that. I was like, yeah, people are sheltering at home. How do we get the word out? If only there was some sort of platform, maybe digital, that connected almost everybody in the world. If only there was some possibility in our time to be able to get the word out, even if you have to stay at home, right? Oh, wait, there is. Like, uh, of all times in history to shelter at home, we probably have the most opportunity for connection uh, in to, to connect to as many people in the world as, as, as we want to. Um, we have the means to spread the gospel of Christ, to share the good news. Um, but do we have the commitment to do it? Do we have the wholeheartedness that it will take to fulfill that mission? I think this is an incredible time, actually. Maybe this virus is going to make some of your friends ask some bigger questions. Um, the, uh, so much in our culture, and I've seen this from friends of mine who aren't part of the church, they've been writing about this. So much of our culture is you get your identity from your job. Well, what if that's taken away or what if that changes? Um, then, then, then who are you? Uh, so much we get our identity from our paycheck. I'm worth this much. Well, when that goes away, then who are you? Uh, we get an identity from our role as parents, but when that's not going so well, who are you um, when it's difficult? We get so much security from, the, from investment and money and stock market, but when that tanks, what do you have? We get so much of our stability from feeling like, oh, I have physical health. I'm a healthy person. I'm going to eat all the kale and work out, and I'm going to be healthy. When that goes away and you get sick, uh, what do you have? Who are you? One by one, the things that people lean on in the last month or so have been kicked out from underneath us. And then who are we? This is a, a question to ask. It's possible that the Lord is going to use this to get people's attention. Maybe this is a moment. Maybe this is an opportunity. You know, if you had asked churches a month or two ago what their plans were for Easter, they probably had a plan. We're going to have a cantata or something. We're going to have some sort of like, which is not something you get at Taco Bell. If you didn't grow up in church, it's actually just like a, 
a choir singing thing. They're going to they're going to they're going to go big on Easter. You know, gonna Easter sunrise, they're going to do all these things. They're going to drop, you know, plastic eggs from a helicopter for children. They're going to do things in America when Easter comes around. And and with the hope that a lot of people will show up for Easter. But here's the truth and I've heard this from pastors around the country. Far more people dialed into an Easter service this past Sunday in some form, watched online or whatever, than ever would have walked through the doors of a, of a church a, a week ago. Um, what do you make of that? Nobody, nobody saw that coming. The Lord did, but no, nobody saw that coming. For churches, not being able to gather for Easter was like, oh, this is the end of the world. What are we going to do? And, and like God being like God is, uh, he just uses it for the, for the greater glory and the, and the greater good. Um, I think God's up to something in this time. This is a great time for the people of God to be wholehearted on the mission of God. This is your chance to speak up to a friend or a family member. Um, maybe, maybe those people are open to answers from Scripture because the old answers they were leaning on aren't working anymore. So here's the question I want to leave you with. Who do you know, friend or family, that needs to know God? Who comes to mind for you? And what could you do this week just to move that conversation forward a little bit? To go like, hey, let's, let's hang out, let's Zoom call, let's talk, let's text, let's, what, let's trade emails, let's write letters like, like old school. Like, who, who do you know and, and what could you do to move, move that forward? We're going to go into a, a, a time of worship song here in just a moment. And during that, you have the, we'll have the opportunity to take communion. This is one of the things I miss the most about gathering together is the, the common union of that is communion. But you can take communion at home, bread and juice that represents the body and blood of Christ. We remember his sacrifice for us on the cross. If you have those things handy, grab them. And during this song, just take them when you're ready. If you don't, grab two other things and, and, and use those as your communion just in a pinch. We I had somebody text last week. They're like, I did cookies and milk. I'm like, that sounds great. Uh, sounds great, uh, but use what you've got, and, may, and, and we'll try to have this each week. We'll, we'll take communion um, with what we have available to us. Maybe this week, as you go to the grocery store, you can get bread and juice if you don't have it, um, but I think that'll be great. We'll, we'll take communion during this song, and then I'll come back to answer questions that you might have, so let's, let's pray together. God, I thank you for the ascension, for Jesus leaving because as long as he was here on earth, we would look to him and, and try to have him lead us around. But in your plan, you gave us the Holy Spirit to guide us, to take, to, to take us to the next steps, to, to walk with us. So I pray uh, we dial into that spirit um, and we allow him to lead us as we reach out to our friends. God, we are the people who are called to be witnesses to the end of the earth. Help us to expand the kingdom that way, to be wholehearted in this mission. Um, God, I thank you for that reminder of what we're really here for. Um, help us to carry that with us wherever we go this week um, and whoever we talk to this week. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, thanks, for, thanks for worshiping with us online. I know that's a, 
a crazy thing. And so um, it's, been, it's been good and we're making the most of the time that we, that we have. Uh, let me, just quick announcement, I want to let you know, we're doing 40 days uh, of prayer right now. And so every morning we have a prayer thing for you on Instagram, Facebook, uh, that's out there every morning at 8 a.m. We just have a, a real brief prayer. Different people from the church are offering a prayer time just to get your day started off right. Check in on that. And we're also looking at doing a couple things that are non-digital during this 40 days. We're looking at a, a prayer and worship night that we're going to have. We're looking at uh, a prayer walk in Carytown, a prayer wall, a couple things like that, so that when you're enjoying the outdoors, because we can and it's nice out that you could uh, maybe do that with us. And so we'll let you know more details about that coming up, but there's some, some good things happening there. As always, you can go to area10church.com slash now and see the different groups that you can join. There's people doing board game nights online that happened the other night. There's, there's different kind of meetup groups. There's prayer groups. There's all sorts of opportunities in addition to our normal small groups if you want to get to know some people. I did a skeptics class on Thursday night, and we had uh, people uh, checking in from in different spots from around the country. So it's, uh, it's pretty cool. So let me, uh, let me just get to some of your questions here, and we'll wrap up. Uh, the question's coming out of the message, and I think there's some really good ones in here. Uh, question number one, what do you have against Rocky IV? Um, nothing, guys. Rocky IV it's, was okay. Well, you know, Dolph Lundgren, I like that. The whole Russian thing is a child of the Cold War. That meant a lot to me. Um, but uh, the, the ending thing where he's crying about the U.S. and Russia, that's weird. Rocky V, I take issue with. Uh, there was problems there. Uh, number two, are there any te- techniques or ideas on how to live more in the spirit or grow in awareness? That's a great question. Um, that probably deserves a whole sermon in itself, and I think I've done some in the past, but uh, my, my initial thought on that is that this is the thing that, that is so hard for us in, in our culture to, to get quiet and slow down. This is why Christians historically have emphasized solitude and prayer and quiet and journaling and that kind of stuff. And um, if uh, we can have all the intention in the world to, to be in step with God's spirit, but if we're, if we're unwilling to get quiet, I think we're going to always struggle. So my, my challenge would be is to, to get quiet. You will not learn to recognize God's voice in your, in your head, in your heart. You will not recognize that if you don't, if you don't get quiet. You've got to kind of get through and cut through the noise. Um, so that, that would be my best, my, my, best, uh, my, my best help there is to say, intentionally get quiet, read the scripture, because when you are reading Jesus's words and you're seeing what the spirit does in the, in the New Testament and you are getting quiet, you start to recognize that voice, that, that sound, that, that direction. You go, okay, this, this is a God thing here and not just a, this is what I want kind of thing. So um, that's that. Number three, uh, this question when we support missionaries, are we outsourcing our responsibilities to spread the gospel? That's a really interesting question. Um, a lot of churches have a separate department of their church called missions, with an S on the end, missions. Uh, and, and I don't like that because it, it makes it sound like what you're describing here. It makes it sound like, well, all of us Jesus followers, we just do our thing and kind of live our life and we just do our American thing. And then we have missions, which is a department for people who are really interested. It's kind of extra. And if you really want to do that, then you can do missions where you go somewhere else. Um, I think if you take the S off of that and say mission, uh, that, that gets at it for me. We are all on a mission 
from God. You saw it in Acts chapter one. You see it in the Great Commission. That's for every Christian. That's not for super spiritual people who are missionaries. We're all called to be missionaries wherever we are. So I think sometimes it can it, people outsource their responsibility to, to carry uh, to carry the mission of God, they go, oh, I don't want to tell people about Jesus, but I will gladly pay someone else to do it. Um, and I'm glad there's fundraising. I'm glad we are supporting people. Our church is supporting people to do it as well. But um, I, I think we have to keep in mind that we are all on a mission from God, not just the people who have that as a title. Um, and then, uh, then there's this question, um, how do we approach evangelism when we don't feel like our knowledge of scripture is very strong what happens if they ask a question I don't know the answer to? Um, I have a lot to say on that. I'll try to. I'll try to keep it. I'll try to keep it quick. Um, how do we approach evangelism when we don't feel like our knowledge of Scripture is very strong? Um, t- two things. If you're new to the faith and that's true of you, you go like, "Man, my knowledge of Scripture isn't very strong." Um, I get that. Um, uh, but if, 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 you're, if you've been a follower of Jesus for 10, 20, 30 years or something like that, at some point, your knowledge of Scripture should grow, right? Like you should be diving in and, and doing it. And so I, I would say, one, the, the, the issue about your knowledge of Scripture not being very strong, like there is a cure for that. Like you can, you can learn and grow. Um, we, did a, we did a study last year, uh, last summer, we did a, a Jen Wilkins study, God of Creation, through Genesis 1 through 11. And we're, we're, our intention is to do another one this summer of Genesis like 12 through 30. And man, it is diving in and it is good, good stuff. I learned a ton from doing it. And I've been teaching the scripture for years and been around it for a long time. So there's always opportunities out there for you to learn and, and grow. Um, as far as like... Uh, or I guess I would say this, knowledge of scripture is not a prerequisite for you sharing your faith because when you're sharing your faith, you're sharing your story. I can argue with you about did God really part the Red Sea or anything like that or how many days was it for the creation and how old is the earth and we can do all that kind of stuff. But really what I can't argue with you about is your story. How has God changed your life and why? And why, why believe instead of not believe? Why, why lean in there in, into faith um, instead of being agnostic or something else. Um, I think you can speak to that no matter how much knowledge of scripture you have. And if somebody wants to come back at you and go, well, what about this? Why does the Bible teach this? I think that's where you go, yeah, I'm not sure. Like, let me look that up and, and like punt for a week and go, and go research the answers. I think actually being asked those kind of questions and having to research your answers is going to make you grow. Uh, you know, we all, we're... we're <laughs> You're ready for the thing when you have to be ready for it, when it's on trial, when there's a test. And so um, I, I would use hard questions as an opportunity to dig deeper. It's the same reason why when, when I tell people who volunteer in A10 Kids, people to teach a kids class, people are like, oh, I don't think I know enough to be a Sunday school teacher. It's like, well, you'll know enough as soon as you start being a Sunday school teacher. Like, that will force you into it. You will learn. Like you will grow probably more than anyone because you're having to do the work and get in there and, 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 and learn the stuff to, to kind of stay ahead of the class. Anyone who's ever taught a class on anything knows what it's like to stay at least a lesson ahead of the students. So I would say that. And then the last piece on that, um, yeah, just if, if they, they ask a question you don't know the answer to, that's, that's okay. Um, you're, you're not supposed to be Bible answer, man. What you can be 
is, a, is a genuine man or woman as you, as you respond and say, this is the way I see it. I'm not sure, um, but I'm, I, I'll, I'll dig into that more. Um, so, so hopefully that helps like relieve some of the pressure for you. Um, but I think for all of us, we can easily use that as a reason not to fulfill the mission of God to go like, well, I just don't have the answers. Therefore, I'm not going to speak up at all. Um, and, and I get that, but just notice how we use that and how we will justify not speaking up because we'll say, I don't, I don't know the answers or whatever. Like the, the, the stuff is out there for you. So, so go get it. Um, there's, there's great opportunities. Um, anyway, some of these questions, I'd, I'd love to talk to you more and uh, love to have the opportunity to, to, um, to reach out more, to connect. If you want to do follow-up calls or Zoom or whatever, uh, you can see what my dining room looks like or whatever. That'd be, that'd be cool. Uh, thanks for joining us today in worship. We are starting a new series next week, uh, and it's called Rise Up. And uh, it's a series about leadership. And in a, in a culture where everybody argues about how people are not leading well and they're making bad decisions and everybody's sort of an armchair quarterback about decisions other people make, we're going to go back to some people in the scripture who actually did lead well and look at the qualities that are there. So if you lead anything, and we probably lead more things than you think, but if you lead anything, this will be a really great series for you. But even if you feel like, man, I'm not a leader I, I don't lead anything. I, I, I think the character qualities that we're going to look at here are going to be really great for, for anyone. So we're going to talk about Rise Up. We've got a couple fun things planned for it that we're going to do here um, in, this, in this next series. So hopefully you can join us as we, as we get into that, in, into that conversation. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of good that's going to come out of it. Um, share this with your friends. Let them know what we're doing on a Sunday. Um, we're having a lot of conversation about when we get back into the Bird Theater, what that will look like. Uh, when, we don't know when that is, but when that happens, uh, what are some ways we'll, we'll, we'll continue online connection, especially for our friends who are uh, far away and, and, and can't be here. We're, we're looking at a few things. So that's, that's in the works. More, more to come on all that. Thanks for being with us and worshiping today. Let's, uh, let's pray and then we'll, we'll be done. Um, God, thank you so much for another day, for a beautiful day outside. Uh, may we um, get out and maybe work with our hands in the yard or bake some bread or do something. But I pray this week we find those opportunities to speak up about what we believe and why and to share our story with a world that might be asking a lot of questions right now and, and because the world's answers to those questions are, are coming up short. God, we believe that you are going to do a great thing, that you bring renewal, you bring revival, you change hearts. And so we're asking you to do your thing um, in this time and, and, and work in us and through us to reach this world. Uh, God, thank you so much for everyone worshiping with us today and the opportunities that we have before us. Um, help us to be your people and your hands and feet in the community. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Go in peace, everyone. My name is Charlie. Her name is Lizzie. Welcome to Ayrton Faith Community.